Well, good evening. I'm gonna remember it, Curtis. I'm gonna remember it. With your help. Good evening. I am glad to be back here with you again this evening. And yes, Brother David stole my thunder to start with. Did you think about Jesus today? Did he cross your mind? At some point during this week, my hope is that you'll go, oh, he's going to ask tonight. And you're going to remember throughout the day to think about Jesus Christ. Think about not the church, not your duties, not the Bible, but about Jesus. Nothing wrong with thinking about those other things. They're good. But think about Jesus every day. You know, I took my wife to the airport today, and she flew home, and she got home, I don't know what time it was, sometime this afternoon, and guess what? I've already thought about her a bunch of times, because I love her. I think about her a lot. I hope you love the Lord and think about Him. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about what I've called cumulative effect. Now, my wife tells me this is the worst title I have for any sermon I've got. She said, nobody knows what that is. It doesn't make any sense. So, we're going to talk about a principle in Scripture that directly relates to transforming your life, okay? God transforms the lives of His people through His Word And our lives are transformed either for good or bad through this principle that I call cumulative effect. But in order to understand it, I want to talk briefly first about another principle. Uh Uh-oh. The principle of starting your PowerPoint on the right slide. Let's try this again. Is that working? Okay. Ah, yes. The principle of cause and effect. Do you know what cause and effect is? That's something that's really important for people to learn. We try to teach our little ones cause and effect, right? We do that a lot of different ways. One of the ways we do that is we might say to the child, you do that again and you're going to get your bottom spanked or whatever it is that you all do for discipline at your home. You're going to lose your toy and never get it back if you do that again. That's cause and effect, right? You do this, that's the cause. The effect is going to be some kind of punishment or discipline. That's important to learn. You need to understand that the things you do in this life have an effect, and it's really important to learn because of things like this. What's fixing to happen? You know what's fixing to happen. Cause and effect. And when we make foolish choices, we make foolish decisions a lot of times the effect, the result of those foolish decisions are things that are horrific and are terrible. Now, if that little kid gets hold of that pan, they're going to get burned. I got a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning one time from some members of the church who were at Parkland Burn Center 
because their little child had gotten hold of the electric cord for an electric skillet and pulled it over and the stuff that was in it had poured down on their child and burned that child. Now we understand while children are very young, they just don't understand those principles. But as they get older, they learn. And as we get older, we learn and we understand that, you know, like tonight, we were eating supper and I asked Joel, I said, so what kind of, what do you want to do after you graduate? He said, get a job. (laughs) Why? Because I need money. (laughs) Cause and effect, right? You understand that you want money? At some point, daddy's going to say, you're not on the payroll anymore. You got to get a job, right? That's the way. And it's important to learn that process, right? The Bible is full of examples of this. One of the most familiar to you and I, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Cause and effect. Now I know we could debate, well, it's the blood of Jesus and there's a lot of things involved, but the simple cause and effect here is if you want to be saved, you need to believe and be baptized. And if you refuse to believe or you refuse to be baptized, guess what? You don't get saved. Those are simple cause and effect. And much of our life can be guided and understood and directed by a proper application of this principle. But there's some stuff, some stuff that just doesn't. Does anyone in here recognize that person? Some of you do. Her name's Andrea Yates. And I believe it was June the 20th of 2001 here in Houston, Texas. That woman drowned all five of her children in the bathtub at their home. Killed them. Why? How could she do something like that? Someone says, well, you know, she had postpartum depression. Okay, but lots of women have postpartum depression and don't don't drown their kids. You know, cause it, there's not a... Well, her husband was real oppressive. Lots of women have had oppressive husbands and not killed their kids. There's stuff more than just a simple cause and effect. Now, we as humans want to figure this out and we want to know why would she do that and we try to figure out some cause and effect, but sometimes there's just not a simple cause and effect answer to things. You can't just go, well, this happened because that happened. Sometimes it's just not that simple. And when you try to explain everything with cause and effect, sometimes your explanations end up sounding silly and ridiculous. Some of you may know who this is. Right there. Any of y'all recognize that person? That's Ozzy Osbourne. Okay? Ozzy Osbourne was a rock singer... Hard rock, loud, aggressive, nasty music. He had a song called The Suicide Solution. 
And in 1984, there was an 18-year-old boy named John McCollum who took a gun and ended his own life while he was listening on his headphones to a record put out by this guy of the song Suicide Solution. And he killed himself. His parents sued Ozzy Osbourne. They go in there, they find out he's listening to Suicide Solution. He just ended his own life. They sued Ozzy Osbourne and they said he was driven to commit suicide because he listened to your song, The Suicide Solution, and he thought it was the solution to his problems, so he committed suicide because of your song. This went to court. Do you think... Ozzy Osbourne won, or do you think the parents won? How many of you think the parents won? No one? One? Maybe? Two? Three? How many of you think Ozzy Osbourne won? Okay, we got several more that have raised their hand on that. Well, the truth is Ozzy Osbourne won. You know why? Because thousands of other kids listened to that song and didn't kill themselves. So you can't say that song caused him to kill himself because thousands of other kids listened to the song and didn't kill themselves. And if this song causes people to kill themselves, thousands and thousands of kids would all be dead, right? So Ozzy Osbourne won the case. You see, there's something more going on in circumstances or situations like this than just simple cause and effect. There were other things going on in John McCullum's life that participated in his ultimate choice to end his own life other than just this song, okay? Now, with that in mind and understanding that, I want to show you just some places that we understand cumulative effect in our lives, okay? You may have heard people talk about the risk of lead, Okay, you don't want to buy toys from China because it might have lead paint. Or up in uh, Michigan, there was this town that had lead in the water. I don't know if you all remember that. And the government was shipping bottles of water in for these people because there was lead in the water. Why? Have you ever been around lead? Did it kill you? Well, no, but we understand that the long-term exposure to lead produces liver damage. Long-term exposure. Now, not, not short-term, but long-term exposure. You see, the lead that you're exposed to accumulates in your body. And as it continues to accumulate, it can get to a level that it causes serious damage to your body. See, we understand that's cumulative effect. That's when something builds up, there's an accumulation of it. I love homegrown tomatoes. I live by the motto, there's only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Love homegrown tomatoes, right? We plant them, and we grow tomatoes at our house. And I put fertilizer out, and I water those plants, and if everything goes well, which tomatoes are pretty easy to grow, so usually you get something that looks kind of like that when you're done. 
Now let me ask you a question. Which drop of water put that tomato on the vine? Which one? Well, that's silly. What if you miss one watering? Do you not get tomatoes? Well, if you just miss one watering, you're still going to get tomatoes, right? Now, they may not be as many or they may not be as big, but there's really no way to know what you would have got if you'd have done that other watering, you know. But just missing one watering is not... But it's the accumulation. It's not just that drop of water, but it's water over and over and over, and it's nutrients in the soil, and it's sunshine, and it's air, and it's accumulation of all these things together that produce a tomato. Okay? Which cookie made me fat? Which cookie was it? Well, that's silly. It wasn't just one cookie. It's the Oreo, and it's the Dr. Pepper, and it's the midnight snack, and it's the mid-afternoon snack, and it's the extra slice of pizza, and it's on and on. And all of these things together accumulate to an excess of body fat in me. It's an accumulation, you see. Ever try to push a car by yourself? That's hard to do. Cars are heavy. But you know what? We get a whole bunch of people pushing. And it's easy. I saw a video. If you've not seen this, look it up on YouTube. There's some people that they put these bars around this barn and these like 3,000 people get around this guy's barn. They pick up the whole barn and move the barn. Well, there's no way one person could do that, unless you're Samson. You couldn't do that. But you know what? The accumulation of strength from a lot of different people. Now, you understand the process, right? You understand the principle, right? Can you give me some head shakes, yes or no? Okay. So, you understand the principle. Let's look at some Scripture. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this, he said, be careful lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know sin is deceitful? Sin will deceive you. And what happens when you allow yourself to compromise on little sins, things that aren't that big a deal, make little negotiations with the devil... What happens is the process of your heart begins to harden. And your heart gets a little harder. I want you to think back to something maybe you've struggled with in your life. Illustration I like to use for this is the illustration of using foul language and cursing, swearing. Now, the first time you ever said something like that, you go, oh no, I can't believe I said that. God's going to strike me dead, right? But nothing happens, and you go, well, I won't do that again. The next time you do it, well, you maybe feel bad, but not quite as bad as you did before. And the next time you don't feel quite as bad as the time before. And the next time not quite as bad as the time before. And it's a slow process, just like concrete. You know, you pour concrete, you don't come out immediately and have hard concrete unless you put some kind of additive in it to make it harden quickly. Concrete hardens slowly. In fact, I understand that concrete continues to harden over 
months, if not years. Sin does the same thing to your heart. If you allow yourself to do something that you know is wrong and you don't repent of that, you don't fight it and get it out while it's little, it's like a weed that'll pop up and it'll grow and it will just take over the whole yard. It'll take over your life. But you won't begin to be hard-hearted that way. It doesn't start with hard-heartedness. Hard-heartedness is the result of allowing this sin to grow and mature in your life. It's like cancer. You all know my father has had cancer. And he's had very serious surgery. They had to remove his ear, remove his ear canal and the ear bones. They removed the bone behind his ear. They removed part of his jaw. Well, that started with just one little spot on his ear. Just one little spot. And they tried to remove it, but they didn't get enough, and they didn't get it all. And so it continued to grow. And so they tried again, but they didn't get enough that time, and it continued to grow. And they tried again, and they didn't get enough that time, and it continued to grow. Now, ordinarily, a little spot on your ear is not going to kill someone. But cancer allowed to grow will grow and grow and eventually metastasize that is spread all over your body. And ultimately, cancer kills lots and lots of people. Sin works the same way. It starts small. It doesn't usually start great big. You know these people that go into school with a gun and shoot up the place... They don't, that's not the first sin they commit. They don't start doing that. That's way at the end of a long chain of events in their life where they allow sin to slowly harden their heart. So they get to the point where they would do things that are horrific and unimaginable to those of us who don't have a heart hardened that way. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. He said, don't hang out with an angry person. This is a classic Bible text about choosing friends. He said, when you go to choose your friends, don't choose bad people. Have you ever heard stories about someone who was a good kid, but they quote-unquote fell in with the wrong crowd? Have you heard that? Have you known people that did that? What happens? Well, before long, they're doing the stuff the wrong crowd's doing. It's a process. You don't go and hang out with someone and the very next day you're walking like them and talking like them and acting. No, but it's, it's a process. And if you choose angry people to hang around, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get to be an angry person. That's... That's the way it is. That's why it's so important, parents. I want to talk to you for a minute. Be involved in your children's friend choices. Don't let them just be friends with whoever they want to be friends with. Help them choose good kids to be friends with because they're going to be a reflection of their friends. Their friends are going to affect who they are and how they live and what choices they make and how they turn out. It's really important. 
to be concerned about that and to be involved in that because children, especially while they're very young, don't have the wisdom to understand. And what happens is this friend who has a bad influence is kind of like the river that this rock, you see this rock here in the river? Have you ever seen a rock that's been in the river for a long time? It rolls and the water flows over it and before long it's smooth and round. Now, you don't just throw a big boulder in the water and then go pull it out and it's smooth and round. It takes time, it takes a lot of time, but through time, the water will shape the stone, okay? And that's true of you and your life. And it's true of the choices that you make. It's true of the friends that you choose to surround yourself with. There was a book written many years ago by a guy who was a sociologist. He was also an elder in the church. And he studied people who were converted into Christianity. And one of the things that he discovered is he said whether or not people stay faithful for a long period of time is directly related to how many friendship changes they have. If they're baptized and they keep all their old friends and they keep running around with their old friends and doing things with their old friends instead of making new friends in the church, guess what happens? Before long, they're right back there with their old friends and they're not in the church anymore. There's much in Scripture about our influence on one another. Uh, Gathering here to worship together and encouraging and exhorting one another. All those things, those are a cumulative effect. And they slowly but surely throughout the course of your life shape your character and your destiny. You need to choose godly people to be around. Choose wise people. Parents, Put your children in situations where they're around godly, especially as they get up dating age, where they're around wise and godly, decent kids and good families. So the choices they make, I'm not telling you to choose their spouse for them, but narrow the pool to good kids and then let them choose out of the good kids. That makes all the difference in the world in their future. And if you want a transformation of your character and your life, don't choose to fill yourself, your life, with friends that aren't godly. Don't choose to fill your entertainment and your time with things that are counter to the godliness of Christianity. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, this is Moses telling the children of Israel. He says, the things that I tell you, I want you to talk to your kids about them. Okay? He said, I want them to be in your heart and I want you to diligently teach your children these things. Surround them and their world with the Word of God. Okay? Now, this is for parents specifically. Your kids need to be taught God's Word. And you need to teach them God's Word. You need to be the one leading that charge. You might say, well, I don't, you know, I mean, nothing against that, but we read the Bible every morning for a month at my house, and I couldn't tell any difference in my kids at all. 
maybe, because it doesn't work like that. It's cumulative. It works over time. It works through years and centuries. Well, centuries. You don't live centuries, but decades. It works through a period of time. And so you spend your life filling your children's world with godliness and righteousness. And what you're doing is you're teaching them to look at life the way God looks at life. You're teaching them to look at opportunities and challenges and problems and successes through God's perspective. And so in their life, as they've been taught God's Word over and over and over in every different circumstance, and they've been taught to practice this and to think about it and to just embody this, and it's the way your home works, they're probably going to make some bad choices and bad decisions. But they're also going to know when they do. They're going to be aware of it when they do. Now, I'm not telling you if you read the Bible every day to your kids, they'll turn out good, and if you don't, they'll turn out evil. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the Word of God transforms people's lives. And you have to share on a regular... I mean, hang the, hang the signs all over your walls about Jesus so your kids see that everywhere. When they go in the bathroom, they need to see signs about Jesus. When they go in the kitchen, they need to see signs about the Word of God. They need to see Bibles that aren't just covered with dust, but that are open. They need to hear mama singing gospel songs while she stands there and does the dishes. They need to have godly, righteous influences all the time in their lives. And it's not a, okay, we'll do this for a week and that'll change things. It doesn't work that way. It's a cumulative effect over the course of time. Who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who speaks truth in his heart. You know it's going to be right with God are people who speak truth in their heart. What does that mean, speaking truth in their heart? That means what you think. That's what you speak in your heart, right? What you think. And truth is God's truth, right? It's righteousness. So if you want to be right with God, you fill your mind with God's thoughts. And to do that... You need to confront anything that's not a righteous thought in your mind. You need to confront it. Now, you notice I've got a picture of a dolphin up there on the screen. Okay? When my kids were little, we went to Galveston. And Galveston has these pyramids. I, most of you have seen them. And they're Moody Gardens or Moody something or other down there. Okay? And the first time we went to Galveston, we didn't know if we'd ever get to go back, so we did everything there was to do in Galveston. And we went to those pyramids, and they've got like this rainforest in one, you know, and you walk around, and these rainforest birds fly around, and you got to be careful, they'll mess up your hair. Uh, but one of the things they have is a movie theater, and they show movies. And my kids, oh, there was a movie about dolphins. And my kids, oh, we have to see the, the sweet dolphins. We have to see the movie about the dolphins. So 
We went to see the movie about the dolphins. I don't know if I've ever been more irritated in my life. Did you know that dolphins are the most highly evolved creatures on the planet? And if it wasn't for evil, useless human beings, they would probably rule the planet. And they talk to each other, you know, like that. And they have this highly evolved communication and all. And I paid for my kids to be told that stuff. We walked out of the theater, and I told my kids there was a bench there. I said, sit down. (laughs) And we had a talk about the creation mandate in Genesis and God creating the world and He making man to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and all this. And we talked about man being created in the image of God and not animals and made my kids sit there and listen to this. And my wife is standing there going, Honey, honey, come on. They don't need a lecture right now. Do you think I did that because I was afraid that my kids were going to chain themselves to trees and throw blood on people that have fur coats? No. I wasn't afraid of that. But I was afraid that if we didn't confront ungodly, untrue things, that some of that's going to take seed. That's the tidal wave. Your children live in a tidal wave of unrighteousness and ungodliness. They live in a culture that wants to destroy them. And if we as parents don't do something to chain them to truth, yours may be the only voice they hear. Well, my kids don't listen to me. You still want to be that voice because you may be the only voice they ever hear chaining them to what's right. We need to confront every false belief, every false ideal, because we need to speak truth in our heart. And whether that's evolution or Calvinism or what other doctrine or belief it might be, it needs to be confronted with the Word of God. Now, in a compassionate, loving way, and my lecture may not have been the best thing because I was kind of irritated at the time, but... The truth is, you need to chain your kids to the Word of God and to truth. And the only way you do that is by confronting things that aren't true. You confront stuff in movies and TV shows and songs and all the entertainment that they listen to that is so ungodly. And you confront that stuff and you talk to them about it. You talk to your kids about what they wear and how they present themselves. When we would go into a, into a doctor's office and have to sit and wait, we'd grab a magazine, my daughters and I, and they would sit right beside me and we'd turn those pages and we'd look at a picture and I'd say, is that girl dressed appropriately? And my daughter would go, yes or no, and we'd turn the next page and I'd say, how about that girl? Yes or no, how about that girl? Yes or no, and... We did that over and over and over. Now, I will tell you, my girls have worn things I wish they wouldn't have worn. And my girls have been sent back up to the room to change. 
But the idea was confronting falsity with truth. And you do that consistently over and over and over. And not just with your children, but with yourself. I mean, if you find yourself thinking crude humor, quit watching The Office. It's full of crude humor. Quit watching it if that's a problem for you. If you find yourself being greedy, don't watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Get that stuff out of your life because all you're doing is you're bringing into your heart things that contradict God's Word and His truth. And instead, fill your mind and your life, your entertainment, your friends with godliness. And when you do that, that has a transformative effect. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. You need to contend. You know what that means, contend earnestly? That means fight really hard. Fight hard. Okay? That doesn't mean just kind of stand out there. It means fight hard. Y'all know my son Jacob. He's a, he's a black belt third degree black belt in Taekwondo. And I went to his belt testings when he was getting his black belts. And I'm going to tell you something. When you get a third degree black belt, you have to fight like 10 black belts. And I'm going to tell you, there's some earnest contending going on out there on that floor. I mean, there's really, you've got to be serious about what you're doing. That's what I have in my mind when I think of this earnest contention. He said, I was just going to write to you about our salvation, but it came obvious to me that I needed to tell you, you need to be fighting. Fighting for the faith. For the truth. You and I need to have courage and consistency in fighting for those things in our own lives and the lives of our children. Cumulative effect often appears to contradict cause and effect. One cigarette will not give you lung cancer. And in fact, if you are so conditioned, one cigarette may make you feel better right now. There is no measurable danger in getting a suntan this summer. But if you get a suntan this summer, and next 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 summer. You see what I'm talking about? In fact, the truth is, if you get a suntan this summer, you may feel better about yourself. You may go, hmm, I'm looking good. Feel good about yourself. Cause and effect, right? A bowl of ice cream at bedtime may make you feel better tonight. But you do that every night for 40 years and you're going to have a heart attack. Not tomorrow, but the accumulation of that. And we need to realize that these things sometimes appear contradictory. The truth is you cannot control the environment that your children live in and you can't control the environment you live in totally. You're going to have to work with people that are ungodly. Your kids are going to have to be around people that are ungodly. 
You're going to be, you're going to hear music that is evil and wicked. You're going to see TV shows or music at times that's just not right. You're going to be around ungodliness in this world. You can't just put a big fence up around your backyard and keep your kids away from the world. That doesn't work. So you need to speak up when you can speak up. See, you may be the only voice that someone hears. And you've got to have the courage and you've got to have the consistency to stand up for that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Sowing and reaping is the Bible term for cumulative effect. You're going to sow and you're going to reap. And this is a universal law. And if you sow godliness and you sow spirituality and you sow righteousness and you sow telling and teaching your children God's Word, if you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to reap that. And if you don't, what's going to happen is you're going to reap the other. Long-term overaccumulation. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So, this woman, Andrea Yates, who killed her children, was she responsible for that? Was she accountable for that? We've got a few nods like this. You know, if... If I had a bunch of old greasy rags and I piled them up in my garage next to the water heater, you know what's going to happen to them, right? They're going to catch on fire and burn my house down. Now, if that happens and I pile all my greasy rags up by the water heater and late in the middle of the night one night, they ignite and they burn down the house and they kill one of my children, am I responsible for that? I mean, I didn't try to kill my kid. In fact, I may even get burned trying to save my kid, right? But am I responsible? I am because I made consistent choices that led to the eventuality. And the fact that I couldn't control that fire didn't mean that I'm not responsible. The same thing is true with your heart and your attitude. If you let anger get a hold of you and you just feed that and you feed it and you feed it and you, that anger builds to hatred and that hatred builds to rage and then someday you just completely lose control and you do something you never imagined you would do, some people are going to say, well, he was mentally ill. He couldn't control himself. He... That was the end result of a long, consistent period of making bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, allowing the heart to be filled with and marinate in something that's unrighteous and ungodly. It's a very serious and important thing. We're talking about being transformed. This is the way the Gospel transforms us. He says, be transformed from this world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. What? How? Do you remember that? Romans chapter 12? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You fill your mind with godliness. 
And what I'm going to recommend to you tonight is this. You need to have a consistent program where you study God's Word in your own life every day. You read it every day. You listen to it. You say, I'm not a good reader. Then listen to it. Read it to your kids. Talk to your kids about it. Bring it up. They're going to get sick of hearing it. That's okay. Bring it up. Fill their world with God and His Word. Take them to church every time the doors open. Well, my kids don't like to come to church. I don't want to force them to go because, you know, if I force them to go, they're not going to want to go when they get older. And, and Do you force them to go to the doctor when they're sick? Well, yeah. Aren't you afraid they'll quit going to the doctor when they get old? Well, no. We force kids to do what's right and good because they need that. And when that's built into their lives, I'll tell you from my life and my experience, there's not been one, one day in my life on a Sunday that I woke up and I laid in bed and I said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to church today. Not one time. Somebody says, ooh, isn't he holy? No. That's not it. You know what it is? Is that all of my life from the time I was Caleb's age, every time a church door was open, I was there. And for me to choose that would be weird. It would be strange. It would be uncomfortable. I would not like that. Because my whole being has been trained that when the church worships, you're inside the doors. Parents, I'm not saying your kids will be evil if you miss one church service, but I am saying it needs to be your habit. It needs to be your pattern that we do what Jesus tells us to do in this house. We live God's way in this house. And on Sundays, we worship with the Lord and we're going to read His Word and we're going to pray together at night and we're going to pray over our meals and we're go- this is what we're going to do as a family. And when you do that, you don't see the end result today. But it's like the tomatoes that I used to love to grow when my kids were little. We would do this every year. We'd plant them. And the next day, I'd wake up the kids and I'd say, let's go get the tomatoes. And they'd, yeah, and we'd go out. And there were no tomatoes. i say, oh, well, they're not ready yet. It takes time. These things take time. And my lesson tonight has been to encourage you to give the time. Just be consistent. That will lead to transformation. If you've been making bad decisions, you want someone in the church to help you, pray for you, assist you. If you've not been being consistent with serving God, you can change that today. You can stand up in front of the people here and go, you know what? I hadn't always done it, but starting now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. If the church can assist you in any way, We offer this song of invitation if you'll come to the front while we stand and sing.